0: First of all, I was greeted by a seven-year-old on your welcome team, which I thought was fantastic. So, well done, Alex, if you're still around. That was a good job. Um, and then I think the second thing anyone said to me was, would you like a flat white? and. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the first church that's ever happened to me in, so I really enjoyed that. And, uh, and then um, I was walking through the um, kind of lobby area, and uh, Sam, another m- member of your young people, um, came up and greeted me and asked me if I was having a good morning and what I was going to be speaking about. Um, so well done, you're doing a great job of integrating uh, young people into the whole life of the church, and that's something I'm very passionate about, so it's lovely to be with you. Um, let me... Um, let me try and help us think about this issue uh, this morning, with the help of a, of a theological picture, OK? Uh, so Enim, could you start my little slideshow? that? Yeah, could, we're going to call it Spirit of Adoption. Uh, but in a second, the next picture I'm going to show you, it's, it causes quite a bit of dispute. In fact, you could say it's a pretty controversial image. So I'm giving you a kind of trigger warning uh, right now. Um, And when you see it, could you just talk to your neighbour and say what you see? Are you with me? Okay, and in next picture. Okay, so could you have a little chat with your neighbour? What do you see when you see this image? Particularly think about the colours. What colours do you see? Okay, controversy started, um, someone on this side of the room, tell me a, what you see, put your hand up, tell me what you see. What? Blue and black, what's your name, please? Janine. Uh, Janine sees blue and black, does anyone else see blue and black? Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, someone in this middle section, tell me what you see that isn't blue and black. Yep, Sam? White and gold. White and gold, anyone agree with Sam with white and gold? Yes, okay. Anyone see something different to blue and black or white and gold? Yes, please. Um, Pale blue and gold. gold. What's your name? Celine. Celine. good job, Celine. Okay, anything else different? (laughs) It's odd, isn't it? It's odd. This was a bit of an internet sensation, a meme about 18 months ago. This is a dress that was on Amazon. And um, this was one of the kind of user-generated photos. Um, And it's caused consternation. Uh, Because different ones of us see different things. I'd love to tell you if you see blue and black, it's because you're really a Baptist. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're white and gold, you're a closet Anglican, you know, all this regal, royal stuff. Uh, But it's not due to that. Okay. Um, I showed it to my optician the other day. She hadn't seen it. And uh, she gave me a very profound reason. She said it's due to the different numbers of rods and cones that each one of us have on our retina and uh, you know they they vary a little bit so that's why you're processing this differently but think about it we're all looking at the same image and yet because of something internal to us we're seeing something different that's not a bad picture of what theology should do to you okay you and your friends or your family and people that don't share christian faith you're looking at the same world but because of the work of the holy spirit because of the scriptures you should be seeing something different does that make sense because there's something internal to you and that should apply to everything it should apply to your ambitions your dreams your your family your work your politics all of that must be should be impl- uh, influenced by what you believe about God and the gospel and the good news but that also applies to children so Enim could you put my next photo up Uh, I can't show you this boy's face. He is currently in the care system. Uh, He's uh, about five years old now. He's been in care for most of his life. He is in a little book, and the little book is called Be My Parents, which is a very scary book to read because it's a book full of children's profiles who are available for adoption. But this little boy, he has speech delay. And uh, so he finds communication quite difficult. And sometimes that really frustrates him, particularly when he's at school. And because of that, sometimes he loses his temper. And so sometimes he can be a little bit challenging in his behaviours. And because when we want people to think about adopting children, we don't want to give them a, a rose-tinted glass kind of image, we put in the details, or social services, or the, the, the people that run uh, Be My Parent, they put in the fact... That this child has some behavioural challenges due to his speech delay and that means when many people look at this boy they see a problem in fact they don't just see a problem they see someone else's problem they see well you know adoption that's for people that need children i'm fine i don't need any more children in my life this is someone else's problem and the sad thing is that many adopters, when they're coming through the system, their are central motivator. And it's not, it's not completely wrong. In fact, this is a great way to form family. But the majority of people coming forward for adoption are coming because of infertility. And when you come because of infertility, you really want a baby. And guys, I've got a six-month-old baby in our household right now, and babies are amazing. I totally understand why people want a baby. But kids that are waiting the longest tend to be older kids like him and if you really want a baby you're not sure you want a five-year-old with a speech delay and behavioral problems and so people see a problem child someone else's problem child and they turn the page and the words over this boy for many people is unadoptable you follow me? now if you're a believer here today if God's been working in your life I want you to ask this question. What does God see when he looks at this little boy? We know what our society says, problem child, unadoptable, someone else's problem. But what does God see when he looks at this little boy? That's your question. We are going to make this competitive. I'm going to set this side against the middle and against you guys. And, um, you know, yeah, let's see how you get on. And uh, see if you can think of three things that you think God would say. About this little boy, it might be from your knowledge of the Bible, it might be from your experience in life. If you're new to church and you're just coming along, that's fine to say what you think. What do you think God would say about this little boy? Does that make sense? Have a little go. chat to your neighbor. Three things we're after. Let's go.: thank.:. Oh, okay. You're looking very profound. <laughs> very good. Uh, okay, uh, we'll give you guys first chance. I always think that's, that's, that's a head start, actually. You, get, you can get the easy ones in there straight away. Um, someone over there. One thing you think God sees when he looks at this boy. Yeah, back row, please. He sees a little boy. Good. He doesn't put the prefix um, problem, difficult, unadoptable. He sees a little boy, just like all the other little boys great thank you very much uh, someone in the, this section here um, what else do you think God sees when he looks at this little boy yes please potential that's right that's right a, a lot of people have have written this little boy's future for him haven't they um, I was with a group of um, social workers recently in Lambeth and they tell me that the, the the type of children that are most difficult to find adopters for in the UK are black boys because people have written their future already this little boy he's going to be a troublemaker when he's growing up he's going to be a gang member and you're thinking whoa 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 you, you've written this child's future at three and you've written it as a disaster you've written this child off actually but that isn't how God sees people God sees not just what people are but what they can become it's the idea of redemption isn't it that your your history does not have to determine your future that God says to Israel and the whole of his people, I know the plans I've got for you. And they're good plans. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If that was true about all of God's people, why not, why not this lad too? That's great. God sees potential. Great. You guys are doing excellent. No pressure. What, what have you got? Have you got, you got anything else? What else does God see when he looks at this little boy? Yeah. Part of his family. Part of his family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God says here's an interesting one quick bit of theology for you who does god love okay Uh, there's a really famous verse you probably know it it's in john chapter 3 verse 16 (laughs) for god so loved the world right every single human being on this planet is loved by god is that fair Irrespective of their history, their gender, their sexuality, their religious background, God says he loves the world. Yeah. Now, not, not everybody in the world reciprocates that love, but God has a, a, a posture of love towards the whole world. But weirdly, in the Bible, God says that he has special attention for certain groups of people. Psalm 68, God says, mm-hmm. A father to the fatherless and a protector of widows and orphans is our God. You go, hold on, God. I thought you loved the world. You know, if you love the whole world, why are you singling out certain groups of people that you're particularly close to? That sounds like favoritism. We don't believe you're like that. You know, uh, I've got seven children at home. If I show favoritism to one of them, yeah, you know, I've got to tell you a secret. Oldest child, I love you and I have special concern for you. Different to your brothers and sisters. That's a nightmare, isn't it? So why does God say, I'm the father to the fatherless? God, I thought you were the father of everybody. I thought you, were, you loved the whole world. Well, the thing is, I think God does love everybody. But he's particularly sensitive of the needs of the very vulnerable. Because in the ancient world, if you were fatherless, it meant there wasn't a male role model figure in your life that could offer you protection. And in a patriarchal society, with no social welfare system that meant you were incredibly vulnerable. That's why he mentions widows as well. Again, patriarchal society, women were particularly vulnerable. Again, who who would care for them? And so God says, no, I will step up. Uh, I will make sure that everybody has equal access, if you like, to the things that they're going to need in order to flourish. So God has particular love for this child. Are you with me? Okay, I'll give you one more. The Baptist got this, not to put any pressure. Um, but there's a there's an idea in the Bible that says um, that we are made in the image of God. Remember that one? And, and which kinds of people are made in the image of God? Well, every single person is made in the image of God. Again, irrespective of history, background, ethnicity, abilities, you name it, whether they've got speech delay or whether they're in the care system, every single person is made in the image of God. Now, I brought a camera with me, uh, not just because I'm addicted to social media, um, but on my, cam- on my sort of, phone, I have pictures of my family. And if you want to see some, I can show you them at the end of church. I know we have to get out of the building quickly, but we'll do it in the in the lobby or something. And uh, if, if I show you a picture of my family, and then I watch your face curl up as you see them, or, or even worse, I- imagine you were to to spit on the picture of my family how am I going to feel about that at one level it doesn't matter does it this is just a phone this is just a bunch of pixels on a screen I've even bought a waterproof phone so if you spit on it I can wipe your saliva off it's no big deal no harm done but symbolically what have you done if you spit on the picture of my family that indicates how you feel about my family are you with me if this child is made in the image of God, how we treat him is an indicator of how we feel about the God that he images. Isn't that right? If we love him, we're showing love to God. If we, um, if we ignore him, we're turning our back on God. That's a huge concept. I've written a whole book about it. It's coming out in two weeks. It's called God is Stranger. No, you can't buy it today, but you could pre-order, but we'll get into that if you want to. <laughs> god is stranger remember matthew 25 i was hungry i was thirsty i was a stranger how you respond to those that are in need is a measure of how we feel about the god that these people image okay not bad for an intro you're doing really well I want to dive very quickly into a, um, a passage of scripture that has helped me understand why this stuff is so central to who God says we are okay um, and then um, I've got one little challenge for you and then we'll we'll pray sing and uh, we can chat more in the lobby and Joe and um, our friends from um, Achieving for Children uh, are also here to talk to you about this. If you've got a Bible, uh, brilliant, open up, Galatians 4. Uh, can you jump to my Bible passage, Enim? Uh, great. Um, if you've got great eyesight, you don't necessarily have to look in your Bibles, but it should be the same text that was in yours. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, Paul is writing to a church uh, that is wrestling with what is the good news? okay how jewish do you have to be in order to inherit eternal life do you have to apply all of the jewish legal system in order to be acceptable to god and uh, paul says no you know salvation comes not by what you do it comes as a gift from god it's faith-based and so obeying the old testament legal code is not a necessary way for you to be able to be accepted to god but then people start asking well what's the point of being jewish then you know has it got any advantage and paul then explains why um, being jewish is fantastic but there's something even more profound that's available and that's where he is in galatians chapter 4 here we go uh, what i am saying is that as long as an heir is underage he is no different from a slave although he owns the whole estate the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father okay what's he saying Paul's saying being Jewish is amazing it's like you're about to inherit a huge fortune but until you've come to know all that's available to you in Jesus it's like you are underage you're too young to inherit anything and so the the trustees and the guardians provided by the law actually they could feel a bit oppressive it could feel like slavery and then Paul expands it. He says this, uh, so also when we, now he's writing to a mixed group of Jewish and Gentile believers, so when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. All right, what's he saying? Well, okay, if you were Jewish, the law and all of its commands could feel like slavery because you never really measure up. Um, you never really are, are able to uh, accomplish Um, holiness and righteousness and a right relationship with God and so it just feels like slavery but even if you're not Jewish you know in your history there are ways that we've been living that felt like freedom at the beginning but actually enslaved us maybe you know those kind of behaviors or relationships that have kept you captive so whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish all of us have been in slavery then he says this and this is a great text for Christmas but we're having Christmas a bit early verse 4 But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. What's he saying? He's saying, well, slavery was terrible. But God sent Jesus into the world and Jesus lived under the the power of the law. He lived among us, but he did that in order that we might be set free from slavery. We might be redeemed brilliant that's where most gospel presentations end we talk about our relationship with God as being that I was once enslaved and now I'm free that's true and good we sometimes talk about I was I was sinful and broken and um, guilty but God has forgiven me that's also true wonderful We sometimes talk about the fact that um, I was in a law court and someone read all the written code of stuff away from me. But now God says it's ripped up and cancelled. I'm innocent. I'm justified. That's also beautiful and wonderful. But it's only part of the story. Did you notice Paul does not stop saying, guys, you were once in slavery, now you've been set free. He moves one step beyond and talks about adoption. Okay, normally at this point, I'd get you to talk with your neighbour. But you've done so good in the previous bits of interaction, I trust you're on message with me. So we'll keep going. I want to show you why adoption is a more powerful picture of what it means to be a Christian than the normal ways that we use to think about the gospel. Are you with me? So let's take redemption. I was once in slavery, but God has set me free. Do you remember that film, The Shawshank Redemption? It's one of my favorite movies. It's not one to watch with family. It's got lots of bad language and some pretty violent scenes. But if that's okay with you, it's an amazing film. It's not just amazing because it's got the word redemption in, which as a theologian, we kind of get excited about. (laughs) But in the middle of the film, there's a mini movie about one of the characters called Brooks. Do you remember? Brooks has been in prison for most of his adult life, and now he's free. But he's not rejoicing, he's kind of worried where am I going to go? What's going to happen to me? And there's a storyline about what happens to Brooks when he leaves the prison. In fact, he's feeling so isolated and lonely that he thinks about committing another crime so he can go back into prison. But in the end, he can't face that. And so sadly, Brooks commits suicide. You see, freedom in itself is not enough. We don't just want to be free. We want to belong, don't we? And God says, I set you free. Why? Why? so that you could belong to me so that you could be adopted that was the point of being set free so that I could include you in my family I would love you forever as my child that's so much better than just freedom on its own isn't it or take forgiveness forgiveness is a wonderful wonderful picture of the gospel it is amazing before this morning most of you never met me before never heard of me totally fine okay? that is true for the majority of people on the planet So if we were charting our relationship before this morning, we were on zero, weren't we? Fair enough. And then I turn up. And then I've worn a shirt I bought from a second-hand shop. In fact, there was a sale on in the second-hand shop, and I bought this (laughs) shirt. Now, you might recognise this shirt as a crime against fashion. So I was on zero, but now I've sinned against you. What am I on? Minus ten? You with me? But you're a nice bunch. You might deign to forgive me. If I'm forgiven, I was on zero. I was on minus ten. Forgiveness means I'm back at zero again, isn't it? The slate is wiped clean. We're back to zero as if nothing had happened. Is that what you've got with God? He's just wiped your sin away and now you're back at zero? No. You're forgiven so that you can be adopted. So that you can call God father, so that you've got intimacy and, and and access to him. He loves you as his own flesh and blood. A couple more. Oh yeah, then I need to finish. Rescue. You ever heard people talk about the gospel in terms of a rescue? I was once in a deep pit, a miry pit, sometimes we sing, and God lifted me up and he put me on solid ground. That is beautiful. (laughs) Hands up if you've ever been rescued, maybe by uh, the RNLI, I don't know how deep the water is on the river out here, uh, or, or maybe by the police, or maybe by an ambulance. Anyone ever been rescued by an ambulance? Brilliant. What was the name of the ambulance driver? No idea. Was, was it a pretty life-threatening situation that you were in? I was in a helicopter. You in a helicopter? You got a helicopter air ambulance rescue? Yeah. That's amazing. That must have been pretty severe. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're here. So you were in this life-threatening situation that someone phoned in the air ambulance, they rescued you out, and you can't tell me the name of the pilot or the ambulance driver? Are Are you in regular contact? Have they come round for coffee? Christmas cards? Nothing? Oh, my goodness. Think about it. Rescue does not always lead to relationship. Isn't that true? Many people want to be rescued by God. God, I'm, I'm drowning here, help me. You know, I'm a sinner, rescue me. But we actually don't want him. We just want the rescue. That's not what Christianity is about, is it? You were rescued, why? So God could call you his precious child forever and never let you go. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Do you see how powerful adoption is as an image of the gospel? That's why it's in Galatians, it's in Ephesians, it's in Romans. Every time it's mentioned, it's always the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together. Normally you get this last bit mentioned as well, inheritance. Because you are adopted, you're not a slave, you have an inheritance with God forever. Think about it this way. When it was my wife and I in the house, just the two of us, pizza night was one of my favourite nights. Because my wife has a very small appetite. We'd buy this huge pizza, stick it in the oven, and uh, she would have this acute angle that was her bit of the pizza, and I would get the reflex angle that was <laughs> the rest of it. Good times. <laughs> then we started having kids, we had three birth kids, and uh, we now have one adopted daughter and three looked after children that are in our house. Love them all. Except on pizza night. Because <laughs> we've still got the same size oven. And my slice of the pizza is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. That's a stupid way to think, isn't it? Friends, who was the rightful heir over all creation? The answer is normally Jesus. He is, right? He's the rightful heir. And yet, he was the one that laid down his life in order that you could be included in the family. Which means, in one sense, his size of the inheritance is getting smaller and smaller and smaller he's not like the older brother in the prodigal son story though is he? he's delighted to lay down his life for you to welcome you as as equal heirs with him of this incredible inheritance what an amazing picture adoption is of the grace of God of the compassion of Jesus of the work of the spirit to give you confidence to cry Abba Father now Chris why are you telling me all this? for two reasons one I I'm passionate about the gospel. And the gospel says it's more than forgiveness, it's more than redemption, more than rescue, more than justification. The gospel is the gospel of adoption. And if you don't know God as your heavenly father that loves you with a passion, something is seriously missing from your life. And we want to make sure that you know about it. So when we pray at the end outside, if you're not sure whether you're part of God's family, we would love you to know that. That's one part. But the second part is this, if you have been adopted by God, does that soften your heart towards the needs of children who are in need of adoption in the UK? For most people, adoption is the third worst way to have a child. There's natural birth, if that doesn't work, there's IVF, if that doesn't work, well, there's always adoption. And when, when not everybody, when many people come, they have a list of prerequisites of the kind of children that they want to be able to adopt it's got to look like us it's got to be a certain gender it's got to be young got to have no physical defects no emotional baggage I just want a normal kid imagine God had thought like that God did not adopt you because he needed you the grace of God says God adopted you because you needed him isn't that right God adopted you knowing all about everything that's in your life, all the stuff no one else knows, all the history, all the brokenness, all the problems. God says, my grace is sufficient, right? And and since you've become part of his family, you know what? You haven't been perfect. Hasn't been happily ever after, has it? There have been ups and downs and trouble and strain. Sometimes you've made God weep. Sometimes you've made God rejoice. Guys, it's exactly the same when it comes to adoption we're asking the church could we model the adopting grace of God into the lives of kids that need it not because you want them to fulfill some kind of ambition or, or family that you've got an ideal picture of no but because they need it could you step up and be the parents that they need that's the ask now don't worry I didn't bring my van with me okay I don't I do have a van the um, it's for moving our family around. No other reasons, okay? Um, <laughs> I did not bring ten children with me, and uh, you know, each of you need to take five home. You know, it's not—it doesn't doesn't work like that. I'm asking you to consider. It's a huge step, isn't it? To take a child that you've never met before, love them as your own. It's a beautiful step. We've seen it happen this morning. To love them as your own flesh and blood, forever, for better or for worse. Whether your life becomes more chaotic because they're in it or whether their life gets better, we're in this for better or for worse. That's a huge step. And we don't expect people to make that, you know, just like that. There's a nice long process of assessment to go through to help you get used to that idea. So we'd ask you to think about it. If you put up my last slide in him, um, there's four ways you can respond. I know we've got to finish now, so um, that would be great. Is there, one, is there a last slide? Yeah, One more. Brilliant. Okay, four ways you can resolve. One is really easy, and you need a mobile phone for it. If you get your mobile phone out, I'll tell you what to do with it. So the four ways are, one is, would you think about adoption? Maybe not for now. It could be sometime later in your life. Some of you are young. You haven't started family planning yet. That's okay. Could you think about your future, including looked-after children? That would be great. (coughs) Second, some of you are not ever going to do this. That's all right. Don't need everybody to do it. The stats are, if one family per church in the UK does this, um, either becomes a foster carer or an adoptive parent, the church alone could meet the entire need right now. Did you hear that? One person per church. Not ten kids per member of the church. That's doable, isn't it? So if that's possible, could you be someone that wraps around another family? Could you be a foster or adopted auntie or uncle or grandparent? Little Kai he's got a lovely family around him but they need you they talked about that they're far away from their their earthly family you could be hugely significant to them by standing alongside them what do you need how can we help you need some extra babysitting i've heard of churches that people started to step up and do people's ironing for them just because it's all hands on deck that'll be amazing thirdly could you pray for what we're doing this vision, we're a tiny little charity, two and a half years old, but we've got a crazy huge vision that the church could do this, here's what you need your mobile phone for, if you want to pray for what we're doing, the email is my email, it's Chris K. K R I S H K at homeforgood.org.uk, just email, and if you put into the subject line, uh, King's Church, then we'll know where you're from, and we'll buzz you an email back and say, here's how you can pray for our work, is that easy? It's not too much to ask? Some of you might be moved to say, I want to do more than that, amen. Some of you might want to give financially, fantastic, small charity, crazy time to run a charity, finances do help us. But I I met someone the other day, they said, I'm a music student, can can I do anything with my music? I said, yep. We're always pushing out videos, we need soundtrack, could you help? Brilliant, she's in. Someone else came up to me, I'm a graphic artist, can I do anything? Yep definitely you can we're always trying to put social media out your graphic art could really help us another guy's a filmmaker another guy's got um, accountancy background bring what you've got drop me an email tell me how you can help let's invite the band up I know we need to come to a close so here's my request of you this morning if God might have touched your heart about the needs of vulnerable children in the UK now that you've understood that your history as a Christian is once you were a vulnerable child once you were a slave but God said you know what I'm not going to leave you like that because of my great compassion because of my grace because of my love for you I'm going to step up and be the heavenly father that you need is it possible that God might be prompting you to take a step either to become a Christian fantastic or to say no I'm going to do something about the vulnerable children in our nation." that they might receive the love, the care, the compassion that they need to become all that God wants them to be. We'd love you to get involved. Let's stand. The band will start playing. I'll start praying. And I'll hand back to Phil. If you want to join in this prayer, maybe just put your hands in a kind of open posture. Father God, we say it again father god we are so grateful that you've included us in your family even though even though we were strangers we were sinners we were slaves and yet your grace spilled out into our lives we're so grateful for that thank you that you didn't have a checklist thank you that you didn't have minimum standards but you welcomed us all lord we ask that your holy spirit would confirm again in our hearts that we are your children That we have confidence to cry out, Abba, Father. But Lord, would that grace not stop with us? Would you help us to stand up and speak up and act up for vulnerable children that are in in need right now, in our nation, in our town? Lord, would it be said of the church that they stood up and they cared for those that God cares for? The least, the last, the lost. Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.